Yes, it is that time again. Hayes County, San Marcos, Texas, for Riasis here on KZSM True Community Radio with your host, Kathy Laura, here in the studio. And uh, Kathy, you've got we've got this filled here in the studio. Who tell us about your guests and what we're gonna be talking about on the show today. Well, as our guest today, um, Krista Salas Flores, and uh, we also have uh, Gilbert Gomez, and they're here to talk to us about uh, Gilbert's father. His name was Jesus Jesus Gomez, and um, Mr. Gomez was um, a business owner here, um, just on one side of the square here, and he also did um, civic service here. So we're here to talk about the civic service that uh, Mr. Gomez did and his business uh, that we know as Royal Cleaners. So well, we want to welcome that And this show. is part of our series here for uh, Hispanic um, Heritage Month. Hispanic Heritage Month. And so we're going to be showcasing some of the businesses that have had uh, between 45 and 60 years uh, of ownership here in town. And the majority of those are now going to be second generation uh, businesses or legacy businesses, as I like to call them. So we want to welcome them to our show, and then they also have some guests here, so we also want to uh, ask our their guests to feel welcome, so we'll say hello to Hanato and hello to Sylvia. <coughs> so let's go ahead and, and start. Give us a little bit of background about, about uh, Mr. Gomez, where, you know, where he was from, how he came to San Marcos. So uh, Jesse Gomez was my grandfather. It was my mother's uh, father. And he was actually born in um, Gomez Palacio, Durango, Mexico. And that was, um, what well, was September 1st, 1913. Um, but he actually celebrated his birthday in February, which was February 27th. Um, so in essence, he really had two birthdays in one year that we would celebrate for him. Um, but he, um, as I mentioned, he was from Mexico. Um, he came to the States about 1918. Um, so he was about five years old um, when he came across. Do you know uh, Gomez Palacios, the municipality there, um, I believe, was um, founded in about 1850. And it, it is named for a historical figure. Uh, and the gentleman's last name is uh, Gomez Palacios y Bravo. Do you know if your grandfather was related to that gentleman? That, as far, as far as we know, we're not certain um, whether he was or not. Um, I mentioned, like, as I mentioned, coming across at five years old, he really didn't have much history that he uh, could remember coming. Um, but his, his father's last name was Yepes, but he was actually raised by his mother, um, who was Antonia uh, de Galado. De Galillo. De Galillo. And um, so she raised him... Um, when they came, they resided off of Mariposa Street here in San Marcos is where they settled. But he actually had a sister, um, Barbarita Gomez. Barbarita Gomez, and I believe that's where he took in, uh, he took her last name because she's basically is the one that took him in once they came from Mexico. And then uh, she basically raised, raised him. So where was, do you know where Mariposa Street was? Because I, I've heard of it, but I didn't know where. Mariposa is uh, behind uh, Rogelio's restaurant okay. where the Chapultepec apartments are. Right directly, I believe there's a park right there now. And uh, it's by the baseball fields in that area. 
but that's Mariposa Street. Okay. Uh, at one time, there was a lot of homes. In there were a lot. Yeah, I, I remember, um, I think uh, Alex was telling me that back in there, that's where the Hispanics settled in that area before yes, they, uh -huh. they started to yeah. move out. So mm -hmm. that's probably one of the other neighborhoods that later on we'll talk about. So um, it's quite common, I think, for um, people to take the names of the people that brought them up. So was your, your father's sister she was Gomez. Was that her married name or was that her her maiden name? Do you know? I believe that was her married name. That I'm, was not, her I'm name. actually not quite sure on that, okay. but I believe it was her married so name. So she was older than your than than your your yes. father. Yes. Uh -huh. Okay. Yes. Uh -huh. And she okay. was the one that took them in when they came in from Mexico. Yeah. And was she already here or did she was already okay. here? She already had she had a home actually already on. on uh, she may have been renting, uh, I believe, but. Uh, it, she did have a home on Mariposa Street. So they actually had some place to come. Okay. Yeah. Well. Mm -hmm. And so, Krista? And so um, one of the things that I was able to find out when I was uh, researching a little bit about his history um, is the year, the year that he came over, um, that was a time when um, Mexico, well, the United States was actually starting the fence work of, uh, as a border for between the states and um, Mexico. So that actually started in um, California, Arizona. That was known as the Battle of Ambos Nogales, I believe is how you say it. Um, Nogales. Nogales is when that began. And so he was, he, at that time, that's when his mother, he, he and his mother came across. And it's, um, it was very interesting to know that that time they paid five cents um, to come across and um, where they re and then they came and resided here in San Marcos. So yeah, at that time there 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 was no um, be between the two countries. You could cross for five cents and you came and you went. Mm -hmm. So it isn't like li like it is today. But um, the battle that you uh, just cited, I think, was the precursor because what was happening at that time, the Mexican Revolution, as we know, was already in full force. And so, so many of the people from Mexico were, were crossing over. And so the tension started to happen between the American people here and the Mexicans that were coming over. And so things got pretty complicated between the, the two countries. So there was a lot of um, anti-Mexican sentiment at that time. And so this battle led to the now uh, border walls that we yeah, do the have, border right? Walls. Uh -huh. And the, the first border wall went up in between the two Nogales in 1918? 1918, yeah. So that was during August of 1918. Um, and, and as I mentioned, it originally started, uh, the first ones went up in the California, Arizona area. Mm -hmm. And so, um, but uh, as I mentioned, he came and he resided um, on Mariposa Street in um, here in San Marcos. And I was trying to figure out how he met my grandmother you know uh, that was one thing that we we didn't know she, you know she never mentioned it he never mentioned it we just knew that they loved each other but you know and they um, had two children he had two from a previous but uh, with my grandmother Martina Gomez he did have uh, Gilbert and then he had my mother uh, Martha but the you know when I came in a few weeks back and I spoke on my grandmother Martina she had a, a um, her grandparents lived within that proximity in that area so I'm assuming that 
you know, that is how they came in connection with each other, you know, um, just, you know, being in that area. And so, um, but yeah, we didn't really understand how they actually met. So they never told the story they about how they met the or how they courted? They, they yeah. were never really open to, to giving a lot of details about anything. But really, I think back know? then that that's, that's kind of the way that's, that it that's, was. That's kind of, it's y like, yeah. you know. It, it, it's not an open discussion like it is on, on Facebook today where no, everybody no, tells everything. No, definitely not. Yeah, you no. kept those things to <laughs> yourself, yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. But that's a challenge with elderly, you know, for us is to get those stories when they may not want to tell them, but it's so important to us to pass along to mm -hmm. the next generation. Well, we realized when, when we were trying to look up information, we really couldn't find any information. And, you know, and a lot, and a lot of uh well, I have an uncle that we we spoke with, and you know he didn't remember a lot of things. You know, it's 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 a while back, and they just don't remember anymore. You know, but it was something that was just never really openly discussed. You know, it's like, oh, I met your your mom doing this, or we did that, and we would go here, we would go there. That was never really discussed in any. You know, it just wasn't discussed. And and so that's kind of one of the premises for the show because we see now that say the generation above us. Mm -hmm has gone and these stories are not are not being told and so i think it leads to another conversation so i hope that you guys continue to try to find mm -hmm. uh you know that story because it's there it's just yes. you know it's just it's just digging and finding it so yeah and thank you kathy for inviting us because this is what's gotten us more intrigued of learning of the history yeah, digging because, a little more and trying yeah. to find out you know whereas before we just so so I did a, I did a search because the Yepa's name kind of just threw me off because that's the first time I had ever heard it. But in doing the search, it does come up in that uh, Durango area quite quite a bit. And I, I was uh, I was shocked because, like I said, I had never he heard that. Mm -hmm. And for a lot of us, too, like we carry the last name Lada. But in Mexico, it was the custom that a lot of times you either took the name that was the more prevalent in society or you took your mother's name. So, you know, if I were in today's time, my last name wouldn't be Lada, which, which is kind of crazy uh -huh. to me, but that's just the way that it is. So mm -hmm. I hope you guys continue your search. Mm -hmm. yeah. So t tell us a little bit more about your grandfather. So um, he, um, as I mentioned, when he first, now moving forward to when he uh, started obtaining work, you know, being older, um, he started, uh, he would just find odd jobs, right? And so he didn't have a bunch of experience, but he ended up working for a dry cleaning place off of San Antonio Street, which was right across from the Coca-Cola company back then. Mm -hmm. um, and so from there, um, of course, he learned how to press, and then he also learned how to do alterations. And alterations was one of the... Um, one of the traits that he can he strongly continued is i want to say strongly because he he was known as a, a tailor one of the good the best tailors here in san marcus and he did a lot of suits you know he would do a lot of men's suits um men's slacks and that's one thing that i will always treasure about him is the he was always so sharp you know he always had that silk suit um he always had even coming to work i remember he was in his slacks with the button-down shirt and it you know that was his work uniform and um he, he was always dressed to the nines so he, he was <laughs> he a, a, a very well-dressed man and i remember um 
sometimes when I would see him, he used to wear a ring. Mm-hmm. Is it a gold ring? Is it with it diamonds a diamond on ring it? Or yeah. diamonds. Okay, yeah. I remember that because you know he was always just very well pressed, presented very well. He really uh, had a char- charismatic smile about mm-hmm. him. He was just so friendly. But for for some reason, I remember that <laughs> ring. Dad loved jewelry. Yeah. yeah, he did. He really loved jewelry, and he just. You know, especially when we'd go to church on Sundays, it was always in a suit, always in a suit. It, he wouldn't even consider just like wearing a long sleeve shirt. It was always a suit all the time. Anytime he went out, he always wore a suit. And that's just but I think that for the for the time, I think for a lot of the men at that time frame, I, I remember uh, Daniel Gutierrez was yeah. always dressed like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. And so you see the difference now from the men of your dad's era to to the young boys today i don't know if they don't take pride in the way that they look or or if it's just as we evolved as a society what's in fashion i don't know it was was just a different time i remember that even uh when we first started the cleaners uh one of the reasons we were so busy was because a lot of the people that were going to the that time it was southwest texas college they all wore like a white shirt and a tie. The students did. Mm-hmm. Uh, the girls wore dresses. The professors, every single professor had to wear a suit. Mm-hmm. And, they, and it was just, it was a different time. It was, and it was just a, like a dress code, but it was, you were just expected to show up to Still class Still a little bit more presentable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Professional, I guess yeah. you could mm-hmm. say. But, you know, you, it was a privilege at that time to go to an institution such as a college and, and you just dress that way it was expected of you but you know this was you know we're out in the backwater of texas you know in the 20s and 30s you know this was not you know culturally the you know the place that everybody was wearing the things and i you're right that the university brought that here to raise that bar so to speak mm-hmm. with what you were expected to wear and as teachers you know yeah. that you were expected to be wearing these things and so i think that then turned into san marcos you know that you had folks that were able to um you know dress like a feather you know mm-hmm. that he that she remembers you know those memories uh, so, Kathy, let's go in and take a quick station ID break, and uh, we're going to come right back. You're listening to KZSM.org, True Community Radio. This is Riasis here every Sunday night from 7 o'clock until 8 o'clock. Thank you for tuning in, and uh, you can take this minute to text somebody real quick and tell them KZSM.org. we got some good stories going on here, folks. Be right back with you. We'd like to thank the following businesses, organizations, and individuals for underwriting and supporting our 24-7 live streaming programming. Blue Sky Mortgage. Sid and Ellen Braverman. Down to Earth Barbecue Sauce. Fast Signs. Ghost Note Brewing, The Hill Country Freethinkers, The San Marcos Art League, Tejas Hemp, Marianne Reese at the Lifelong Learning Organization of San Marcos, 
and the Whitliff Collections at Texas State University. If you, your business, or your organization would like to promote and maintain true community radio in San Marcos and around the world, find the donate button on our webpage, kzsm.org, or email kzsmsanmarcos at gmail.com to underwrite our programming. And again, thank you. Howdy, partner. Does your daily routine usually consist of train robberies, horse fights, gunslinging, or all-around adventuring throughout the Wild West? Because if it doesn't, then you need to tune in to the best cowboy comedy radio play this side of the Mississippi. And that's Roscoe Taylor, the Tallahassee tween, broadcasting on KZSM every Sunday at 8 p.m. Tune in. You'll be glad you did. Hi, I'm Tony Wilson, host of Roots and Branches on Sunday afternoons from 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. here on kzsm.org. I play all kinds of music from Texas and beyond. So join me on Sundays at 2 on kzsm.org, San Marcos's true community radio station. back with you here in the studio live with Riasis on Sunday nights. As a reminder, the views expressed on this show are those of the hosts, the guests, and not necessarily those of KCSM or SMTX CRA. And uh, Kathy, let's uh, get talking back about uh, some of the businesses and the stories of the businesses here. You had mentioned that your grandfather had taken a, a job on San Antonio Street. At, at that point, was he already married to your grandmother, or did the marriage come after? Um, at that point, he um, the marriage came after, after because he actually married, they married in May of uh, 1952. So, um, so he when he was working um, for the dry cleaning business on San Antonio Street, um, I want to point out he was a very sharp man. Mm-hmm. He always um, he he always strived to do better for himself and for his family. Right, so um, he decided to move forward in opening his business. Right. If I can point out something real quick, uh, my dad only had a third grade education, and it was because at that time you were expected to work. But uh, I'm very, very proud of the fact, as a, as a family, we're very proud of the fact of what he accomplished because he only had a third grade education, but he never let that hold him back. Mm-hmm. He never let them hold him back. We talked about that last week, didn't we, Kathy, mm-hmm. about you know running a business, you know, taking care of payroll, taking care of all of the invoices, things yeah. coming in and out, and third grade education. You know, that's yeah. telling you that, you know, self-taught and, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that was a lot of, uh, for the, the Hispanic businesses here in town, that's yeah. exactly it, because you were brought up to go out and work in the fields. That was, you know, get to work as soon as Go out and work in the fields, yeah. go out and work uh, 
wherever you could wherever you could yeah or they I remember there was several families in town that uh, they would take the whole family out to those trabajos to either pick cotton or pick vegetables and then once school started the kids would show up in about October so you know after school had already been going about a month but they had been working that's how they that's how they maintained the, the family you know was working in the fields yeah. but it was just expected my dad would say sister Agnes would hit a lot of knuckles uh, in class because she expected you to know but he would say how how can you know if you're gone half a year working and you've yeah. missed that lesson plan and then you come back and, and you're lost mm -hmm. yeah so I, I I have a lot of admiration for um, people like your father because it was a really really hard time for them no education you had you struggled a lot of times the banks didn't loan you any money you That's didn't true. have any collateral and so it, it was very difficult but I always say this about about people like that there's where there's always a will there's a, way, there's a way and you'll make it one way or another and so it says a lot that that he was able to accomplish that and to leave that tune out to you guys and so um i i'm i think sometimes we, when we grow up we don't we don't really understand that we don't we don't no. we don't see that our parents are making that sacrifice and maybe we don't we don't we don't, we don't understand we don't it until the, after we don't see the struggle that yeah. they that they went through you know because they've already laid the groundwork for mm -hmm. us you know mm -hmm. and it's the like, foundation is yeah there. and it's like well you know I worked real hard but yeah but it's not even a fraction of what they went through of what the work that they did too. and then on top of that the racism that 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 was there too yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. so let's continue Krista so in 1944 he decided to go into partnership with his nephew um, Jose Angel Gomez um, and at that time Jose Angel went to war and he ended up uh, passing away um, in war. And so this is Barbarita's son? No, no. this was um, which is Uncle Robert's brother. I believe it's Uncle Robert's brother. I'm, okay. I'm, yeah. We're not That's okay. Yeah, yeah. We're not too sure on that. So he um, he was killed in World War II but that setback didn't stop my grandfather. He he, like, as I mentioned, he continued to strive. He ended up going into partnership with um, Arellano Martinez. Arellano Martinez. Um, and that was um, in um, 1957 with Victory Cleaners. And so um, they stayed in partnership together. And then eventually he ended up purchasing um, the building that, world cleaners is currently housed at and that's uh was november 7th of 1957. so the business that that he and mr martinez had where was that location at it was on san antonio on street, san street. San antonio okay. street. Mm -hmm. and so from there um and one of the things that i learned also when i'm looking back on stuff the business is right now is located at 308 north lbj here in san marcus but previously, when he purchased it, it was called Austin Street. It's, it's mm -hmm. 308 North Austin. So, um, so that the address changed on it. Um, but when he did purchase that building, he purchased it for $4,000. Um, he put a down payment of $1,500, which left him with a balance of $2,500. Um, his monthly payment was $27.78 a month, which he paid off July 3rd, 1963. And when I saw that, I was just amazed 
because think about purchasing for him at that time was a lot of money even you know gilbert and i we were talking on friday we're like well where did he come up with this money you know because he was just he was a worker at a dry cleaning i, I think if i remember correctly uh, my uncle robert had mentioned that jose angel was would send him money mm-hmm. with the intention that when he was out of the military they were going to start the business together so that could have been where he'd got the majority of that money but dad was always he was always a saver he always saved money you know he he just he just did that was just his way of doing things he always had you know something for a rainy day he always believed in that and so the business you know gilbert had mentioned um also that he when he started the business it was it was previously a bakery and so he had to build it, right? He had to, it was a, a building that needed a lot of love and care. And he would pick up material. He would see material laying around. And, you know, um, maybe there was another business having renovations. The the material still looked good. So he would ask him, hey, what are you going to do with that? So he would bring it back. And that's how he ended up uh, remodeling um, the cleaners and even with the equipment that was brought in there, you know, he would go to to businesses or dry cleaning businesses already um, in operation, and maybe they had a presser just laying around, and he would say, "Hey, what are y'all gonna do with that?" And he would take it off their hands, and they would let it go because they they didn't want it anymore, you know. They just wanted somebody to get rid you know pick it, yeah. it up and get rid of it, you know. And he would gladly take it, and a lot of the machinery that you know people thought would never work he he somehow some way he made it it work he he worked Mm -hmm. with it until it he got it operating and that's how he got his equipment you know until later on he was able to buy something but yet he my dad was the kind of person who he didn't know the word no you know it's like well you'll never get that to work he'd always say just watch me but but that's how you make money because you keep your overhead low Mm -hmm. so you know instead of going out and buying a new uh, machine that's going to cost you two thousand dollars and you get one for free well mm-hmm. you know that there's a payment you're not making that's <laughs> yes, true yeah. yeah and so that's that's what you call a great business yeah, line right that's there the, that's what a third grade education <laughs> gives you <laughs> yeah. but but um, i but i think too because of the struggles that you have you know how to make do you know when you're born with a silver spoon in your mouth you don't have that struggle and when you're when you face those things you don't know where to go you don't know how to do it but when you you have nothing and you're used to working for something and you kind of have an idea how to do things and that's the brilliance of that right mm-hmm. there yeah and so um you know during that time when he was um establishing this business and he got it up and running and everything is you know successful at this time there were actually three other businesses uh, dry cleaning businesses specifically within close proximity um so you had uh cooper cleaners um, that was located where Craft House now, it Craft House is located now, um, and that was owned by Russell Cooper. You also had Modern Cleaners, and that was located on the corner of LBJ and University Drive, and I believe it's LBJ House, mm-hmm. right, the one right there on the corner. Um, and that was actually owned um, by Encarnacion um, Joe Ruiz, and he was the grandfather of Dr. Rosina Ruiz Valle. Mm-hmm. And so the other cleaners that was in close proximity was Sunshine Cleaners, and that was located by Matt Patterson's insurance company right here on Hutchison. And so what year was this again? This one, I don't know. Well, he 
he he opened the start of Rural Cleaners in 1957. So you guys have what about 65 years now in business? We're going on 65. Wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. And it is one of the oldest downtown businesses still in, in existence. Yeah. And um, you know, Gilbert and my mom have really worked really hard to continue this business. There was a lot of doubt once my um, grandmother passed away. Is like, you know, once you're your matriarch patriarch are gone yeah. yeah i think gone. people were almost taking bets as to how how long we would last you know, <laughs> you know? and <laughs> but, it, uh, it continues and a lot of that continues because me personally when i i recommend the cleaners it's the fact that they know you by name um they know your family you know and they greet you by your first name and so a lot of that has drawn um, more business in. And of course, you know, we, you know, we do keep prices down to, um, to comp I mean, to um, continue with business, right? We, st we still um, want to be that business that's uh, like um, affordable because- Competitive. Yeah, yeah, and dry cleaning, it's not a need, it's a necessity, right? So we stay competitive to stay in business but we continue this because it was something that my grandfather started that we don't want to let go. So, so the competition, the competition was there because mm -hmm. there was a lot of a lot of uh, cleaners in this area. And then again, uh, Mr. Um, Emmett. Yes. Emmett. He was a little bit further down there, so he was at that time that your dad also had his business. Yes, yes, he was. Uh -huh. So then there was that. So can you just imagine five? I know I talked a while ago about how there was five sandwich shops here, and I didn't know how they were going <laughs> to stay in business. And look at this, you know, in 1958, four, five cleaners. Right. You know, we just didn't have the what you know probably we were at maybe 15 20,000 people in town if if the yeah. at the most at the most yeah, yeah. You know, and to have and that many cleaners. And then uh, also the university, I mean, right now we're, what, 35, maybe four, close to 40,000. Uh, at that time, we were probably like maybe 500 or 1,000 yeah, students. Yeah, 1,500, you know? yeah, somewhere yeah. in there, I'm sure, yeah. not that many. And then during the summer, that would go down to maybe 200 to three, yeah. 400 students, you know, that were actually here during the summer. But still, I mean, we just, it was a lot of hard work. That's what it came a down lot of, to. A lot of sacrifices, too. A lot of sacrifice, too. I, yeah. I think people don't understand. I know sometimes because we live across the street from Marty, and he, sometimes I'd get up in the morning, and it, it'd be like, uh, I don't know, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the morning, and I'd have things on my mind, and my thing was I'd go and I'd check all the doors and make sure everything was okay, and I'd look across, and then I'd look over at Marty's house, and there's Marty <laughs> in, in the washroom, you know, and she's taking stuff out, and she's doing stuff for the next day and i don't think people really they they look at you and you say oh well you have a business you must have money or you, you're living in a lap of luxury but they don't really understand how hard it is to work in a family business mm -hmm. and then how hard to, it is to keep sane you know yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or, or to and then yeah. have to go home and here you are living with the same people that you're working <laughs> with and the stuff just drags home yeah. and and that was something that you know uh gilbert and i discussed we were reminiscing on us growing up at the cleaners right because uh one thing about the the building is it had an apartment upstairs so gilbert actually grew up in the building where he works um and i don't know if you want to say a few stories on that we well, were there can we let's take sure. a quick okay. station id break and then we'll come back and we'll talk about the stories of the upstairs apartment uh over the dry cleaners yeah. that uh <laughs> man that had to have been hot during the summer <laughs> 
KZSM.org, True Community Radio, and uh, this is right Asus with your host, Kathy Laura, and uh, this is Rob Burke. This is a uh, political... Uh, the views expressed on this show are those of the hosts, the guests, and not necessarily those of KCSM or SMTXCRA. And uh, you are listening to Community Radio here in San Marcos, Texas. Please uh, go to our website uh, while you're there. Think about uh, going and giving us a donation. This is what we are here for is we are a nonprofit. We're all volunteer and we got to keep the lights on, but keep the stories going. And uh, this is one of our missions. And we're so glad to uh, be able to do that for our community. We'll be right back with you. Tune in every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. live on kzsm.org for Discover Texas. We are showcasing all arts, music, comedy, film, production, and anything Texas style. Tune in every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. on kzsm.org. Catch us on all your social media. And uh, we're back with you here. And uh, we were talking about living over, you know, in the apartment above the cleaners downtown. So did, were, were your parents living in the apartment? Yeah, we were living there as a family. It was uh, my sister Marty and I and my, my parents. But it was, it, was, uh, it was a different time. You know, San Marcos isn't, wasn't what San Marcos is now. Uh, there were a lot of businesses in town. Uh, I think the majority of that time that I grew up, it was dry. You couldn't drink here in, in, in San Marcos. You had to go out past the county line to, to get a beer or to buy beer. Um, there was a lot of stores. There was clothing stores. There were pharmacies. We had a theater right next door to us, the Palace Theater, uh, on for the square where the uh, market is now. There was a, another theater called the Holiday Theater. Um, several restaurants clothing stores shoe stores it was it was a different time you know you you felt that even though we were above the cleaners uh it just felt at home you know you could walk down and go to the theater or you could it was it was totally different as to what it is now there was very few if, if any apartments in town at that time also so i'm going to assume that there must have been other families living above their businesses at that time or I would assume so, yeah. 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 I, I don't really remember, but I would assume, yeah. So tell, tell us a story about living above the cleaner, something you remember. Um, was it spacious? Was, was there a lot of space it was. It was a good-sized apartment. It was a whole, the whole length of the cleaners, basically. Oh, that's pretty big. And uh, we had, like, three, uh, three bedrooms. We had a bathroom. Yeah, it was, it was, it was spacious. You had a kitchen. And uh, it was just, uh, it was nice. How, how long did y'all live there? We lived there uh, till I was nine, so I'd say at least probably nine to ten years to we 10? lived up there. Yeah. And so your mom and dad would come and work downstairs? And And then when they get through, they'd come upstairs, and I don't know till what time dad worked, but, you know. So... Did Let's you have air conditioning no. at that time? So that's no. what I was. I, I was no. pretty sure you didn't. No. Okay. So probably, you have the heat from the cleaners. We had suction fans, like a, like if like when you go to like to Lockhart and you see the uh, mm-hmm. above the uh, was it Kreitz Market where they have the big fans right, and it's, right. it's hot in there, but you have the fans. That that's what we had. We opened up all the windows and, but it was still hot in there. It had to right. have been. Yeah. Okay. 
I just, I, I'm sorry, Kathy. I just, I was kind of curious about that. So. Yeah, well, no, I, ventilation too. I guess you didn't have any windows, just just those fans, right? No, we did have some windows. Oh, windows. Yeah, we'd open, we had a lot of windows. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that that would kind of help to ease the the heat a little bit. Hmm. Um, so, um, give me a, a, an idea what the working day was for your dad from sun up to sundown. How early did did he have to get up in the morning? Uh, operation hours of the cleaners back then uh he would open up at eight and we would close at six but i know that he was there at all hours i mean i know that he would probably get there or just walk down probably about six o'clock six thirty and then he would just work until we finished and it was different too because i was uh remembering that during that time we also had the base at the job corps Mm. and that that brought a lot of business and, and we were, we had a lot of business from there so it was just a different time it was just a different time but that was just something that that we grew up that way we just grew up that you know it was a 12 or 13 hour day work day yeah. that's just the way it was has has and I'm going to assume that that still is, that still remains today 13 13 hours basically yeah, yeah, yeah from the 12, time you get about there about 12 minimum 12 hours you might as well just move your your clothes there <laughs> and stay right <laughs> bring sleeping bag uh, yeah. well and even then like me myself growing up as a grandchild we grew up and you know once my my grandparents ended up buying a house and they lived off candlelight um they that we also grew up there you know we uh we would go to school and then they'd pick us up from school and we'd come right back to the cleaners you know yeah. or like uh, i remember that there was a bassinet in the back where lisa and crystal would you know they, when they were small they would they yeah. would sleep back there yeah and um you know gilbert had mentioned it even our kids like my sister's son he was about eight years old and he would go to school and then he'd come to the cleaner so we all grew up and around the cleaners. at that time we also they had a couch up front and i remember a lot of times like people would walk in and and Christian would be asleep on the couch up front. And my mom would go and put a, you know, a, a colcha a cover on him, uh-huh. and he would he'd be asleep up there in front. It was just <laughs> that was just the way that we ran the business. Yeah. We was just and people wouldn't, you know, some people would come in and go like, oh my, he's asleep. It's like, yeah. well, yeah, you know, yeah. That's just that's just the way we grew up. We just we were always there. And you know, one thing that I want to point out is, you know, we are like myself as a grandchild, is we're very fortunate, you know. Um, in the fact that we know our grandparents um, provided this for us, because it is a huge asset that we have now, you know. And um, the work that they uh, that they showed us what hard work is, that's how we operate as well. You know, Gilbert, you know, as you mentioned, he has 12, 13 hour days where he's there. He's there early in the morning, um, leaves when business closes. But he and my mother, they, they allowed us, the grandkids, you know, a lot of people thought we were, um, we were fortunate, right? We, that we had it all growing up and we didn't, you know, we were, we were very subtle and we like, we all know how to operate the cleaners, all the grandkids. And even though we don't work there now, we appreciate everything that comes out of it, you know, because that that was us, that was our upbringing. Um, and so me as a grandchild, I'm very fortunate in the fact that 
even though I don't work there every day or I'm there every day, I appreciate my uncle and my mother continuing that business. Because you understand where it comes from. Mm -hmm. here, here are your grandparents that allowed this business uh, to continue into the next generation and the money that's generated from there has allowed you to be able to go on and get an education yes. which until has allowed your kids now to go on so exactly. i think if your grandmother and grandfather could see that i think they'd be very proud of this foundation that they laid to see now their grandkids uh, who have gone on and and i think too maybe kind of sad because you want that to continue so do you guys see the business now going into a third generation and having somebody come in, whether it be, uh, you know, one of your girls or, you know, either your daughter or your son to mm -hmm. come in to do that. Because sometimes they don't want to do that. They've gone on and they've, they're living their own lives and they may not have that um, drive to, mm -hmm. to be there. So do you guys foresee a third generation there at the cleaners anytime soon? To me personally, that's something that we haven't talked about only because um, we don't like to envision that, right? We don't like to envision when does it stop. Um, but as far as I'm concerned, I would love to have it continue and um, be part of San Marcos because there is so much history that it brings, you know? And, you know, one of the things, even like myself growing up, I remember being in my tap shoes tapping down the sidewalk, you know? <laughs> And if I could tap now, I would get a pair of tap shoes and tap again, you know, because it was, it's just so, it, you know, it's just so inviting, you know, when you go in there. Yeah. One of the things that, that still drives me is, for instance, uh, just last week I had somebody come in and uh, he was going down the street to get a smoothie and he just, he just said, uh, I said, he w walked in the door and I said, hi, hi, can I help you? He goes, no, I, I just wanted to come in. He just, I just wanted to see if the same family was still running the cleaners, this cleaners. And I said, yeah, yes, sir, you know, the same family. He goes, you know, I used to uh, come in here when I was going to school in the early 70s. He said, but I've graduated, and then I moved to Austin, and, and uh, I was in Austin like 40 years. And then when I was going to get a smoothie, I walked by and I just said, wait a minute, let me, I want, let me go see if that's still the same family running that. And I said, yeah, you know, we're still the same family. We're still, we're still working at it. He goes, wow, that's great. You know, that's awesome. And, you know, little things like that keep us motivated to keep it going, to, to that's, that's find a, a way. That's a sense yeah. of pride that's there. Yeah. Because I, I don't think that not everybody gets to have that, that opportunity to live the way that that you lived with this uh, parents that have this business and even though there's a lot of struggle there's a lot of love that goes into that too yeah, and definitely. you learn a lot as a family because you you learn how to sacrifice but then when things are good you also uh, partake in, in in the good that comes from that mm -hmm. but I think too for grandkids that grow up in, the, in, in these kinds of environment it's the best because they have the best of both worlds. They're, they've got these these role models that they can look at, and they may not aspire to go into this business, but aspire to do something else. Mm -hmm. um, but you have this loving, nurturing thing that you come home to every day. You don't go to a sitter or you don't go to the daycare. You come home, and there's nothing like love there yeah. at, at, at your home and in your business because your business is your home at, at that point. 
So yeah, I think well, for those that get to have that, it's it's a good thing. But I, you know, I'm I'm watching the body language here in the studio, and you're right. I you don't sometimes you don't want to talk about these things. You don't want to go there. But you know, we're seeing this change in downtown. You know, this yeah, is not the change. same San Marcos. You know, it is. Uh, the clean ears, you know, the, you know, it's not quite as uh, prevalent, you know, that everyone went and made sure that their suits were uh, taken care of for church each week or for business or all of these things. And so, you know, keeping those businesses going in downtown San Marcos, uh, it's a challenge. And I, you know, that's where I, I you know, I guess that's my concern. It's my mm -hmm. trepidation that, you know, we're going to lose these opportunities that Kathy just talked about. Yeah. And that's one thing that, you know, it it bothers me to see where downtown is growing, you know, and I know the city of San Marcos wants a striving downtown, but you have these businesses like, for example, Paper Bear, they, you know, they were an, an, a business that had been there many, many years and they left um you know we i mean we're still fortunate to be there but just seeing how the change, the change. has happened and a lot of places they're being called restaurants but at night you know they're, the they they have a bar you they're know not restaurants no. and so that's the unfortunate s stuff that i see um just with having a or a downtown business you know that my family has is it i don't want to see it go that route you know and unfortunately it it continues to happen more it, and more, it's and more. Every, everybody's getting bought out little little by little mm -hmm. when you're starting starting to see the change because it's like you said okay uh frontier gone yes jc pennies that was there gone um let's see who else uh the keglers downtown gone the ducanary's gone you start to see the change and it's 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 not geared for San Marcos people anymore. It's geared for the university, the university. students to come and yeah, have a good I, time. We have people come in that say, you know, I haven't been, you know, y'all are still here. We haven't, I haven't been downtown in three or four years, mm -hmm. you know. And then there was that whole parking situation that was a disaster. <laughs> it's like, who, who does that? Back in parking. <laughs> Back in parking that was, that was a reverse great. real quick. <laughs> and, and let's take out 20 parking spaces. And yes, yeah, How and do you survive uh, as a business? You know, sometimes and let's put in bike lanes yeah. and force you into traffic if you have to unload out in yeah. front of a radio station. <laughs> See, I've got my problems here, too. <laughs> believe me, it's, it's, you know, well, they, they've taken all sorts of fun shots. And I want to say that we have um, parking enforcement on uh, dials, uh, speed dials. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. But but it, but it makes it hard because I think sometimes too the people at City Hall, they they don't really understand. They don't come out and they don't see see your business. Because I sit there and I think, how many times you see um, the city say, oh you know we've got this thing downtown you know for uh, 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 Mrs. Franks. What was the place that she was at on the corner there for the down the downtown Main, association? Main, yeah. Main Street. Main Street Main downtown Street. association. And it's like who are they really helping? How 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 do you get that? I, for me, Main uh, Main Street. How has that helped your business? Um, has 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 it helped? Has it not helped? It has helped. It has it helped. It has helped. Yes, because they they do they do listen, and and, and they are a voice for us. And I know this. We have a problem with the parking. We have 
a lot of issues downtown, but when there is a situation, they, they do serve as a voice for us, mm -hmm. you know. So they are there for us. And Kathy, let's take a quick station ID break. You're listening to KZSM. This is Ray Asis. Every Sunday night from 7 until 8 o'clock, we're going to be right back with you. Tune in every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. live on kzsm.org for Discover Texas. We are showcasing all arts, music, comedy, film, production, and anything Texas style. Tune in every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. on kzsm.org. Catch us on all your social media. The end of a very long week is at hand. You've made it through. Whew, it's time for a drink. Pour a cold one, pet the cat, take your shoes off, and just like that, I'm right here with you in a blink, spinning the tunes you want to hear and talking to people you want to know. I'm there. KZSM.org, 8 to 10 Central Standard Time. On Fridays, you're listening to Friday Night with Care. Yeah, we're back with you here, uh, so Andre Asis, and yeah, we're talking uh, about Just Hispanic business. We're talking about uh, local businesses, and uh, uh, Kathy, let's uh, lead us in. I mean, we were talking about the support that you get from the city and the the programs that are there for the small businesses, but. You know, just we've got the the mermaid parade is coming up, and your business is downtown on a Saturday morning. It's great that we've got the parade. It's great that we've got all of this uh, to bring people into town, but yet that takes your Saturday morning away from you, and it's just the whole downtown is locked up. You're you're correct, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and and that's the problem with small businesses in the downtown area as trying to. Okay, if you wanted to go and to open a business for what uh, Nick Laura had paid for his business or what your grandfather paid, your grandfather paid for his business. Yes. Okay, in the equivalent dollars today, you know, you're, you're, you're way off, right? Yes. Very so, yeah. so how can, you know, it's, you know, not only is it passing that business down to the next generation, but it's also the economics of that as well for tax the taxes and and keeping that uh, you know in the family. But it's also new businesses are very difficult to get started in mm -hmm. the downtown. And then you throw a pandemic on top of that, which oh, just yeah. <laughs> you know made it just worse. But and and that's one thing that I have um, noticed is uh, <laughs> businesses that do start up in the downtown area. They don't stay they open. don't stay open very long because of the fact, you know, the the rent, the rent. that it costs, you know, and then you know, the parking's Insurance, hard parking. and then, you know, they can't get the customers in unless they want to park a mile away and then walk in. Um, so that's just the unfortunate piece mm -hmm. of it. Um, but I will say that um, just thinking back on years um, that you know, thinking back years and years and years when I was younger, they had like businesses like Colgan Jewelers. Mm -hmm. They had businesses um, like Dollar Hyde Shoes. Western Autos. Yes. Western Auto, yeah. And um, so that was all here. And it was, it was funny because they didn't have like a credit card system at that time, right? Mm -hmm. So they had like 
an honor system to where they had accounts so you could go in and purchase something on it on credit and then go in weekly you know okay. and that's one thing that my grandfather would do you know he would he would uh he would make himself um or not make himself but he would um find himself going and buying a piece of jewelry at colgan's jewelers or saying uh, you know he would say me do you want a pair of shoes and he'd walk you down when you got home from school and take you to get a pair of shoes um, he also, you know, he would, he was such a gentleman that he would, um, always, always, always buy my grandmother a piece of jewelry and it was always gold and it was diamonds. And it was so funny because that's not who she was. She was a very, um, subtle, simple, little, simple. And so he would show up with his jewelry and she would say, take it back <laughs> because, you know, it, it, it wasn't who she was, but of course, you know. It was a gift, so she would keep it. But that's who he was. He was such a giving, a giving person, um, and he did um, did do for many people here in San Marcos. But he he was a founding member of Cuauhtémoc. And see, Cuauhtémoc yeah. was one of the first organizations here in town that uh, they actually would give scholarships, mm -hmm. as far as far as I know. And then they would help a lot of people. Say if if someone had trouble with the rent or they needed money for medicine they would approach Guatemoc and during their meetings and they would they would help people that that's that's what they were what they were brought up to mm -hmm. to do was to that help was the, the community the help the community the yes uh -huh. yeah and so he was a member there for over 50 years and i remember and they did the bingos every sunday remember when Guatemoc had bingos and so if we weren't growing up in the cleaners, we were growing up in Guatemala Hall. <laughs> <laughs> but your grandmother was making burgers. Yeah, she was cooking in the kitchen, selling the burgers, and he was walking around selling so the bingo uh, cards. Bingo cards. Pull tabs. Yeah, yes. that or in church. church yeah. In church. Well, your, yeah, your, your dad was uh, uh, really good at over at church, too. He did a lot there oh, for yeah. St. John's. Yes, sir. And that was one thing. They were such giving people, you know, um, both of them. They 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 didn't um they ensured their family had the necessities they needed and then they would help others and i, I remember helped. i remember sometimes people would show up at the cleaners and say uh they would talk to my dad and they'd say Vengo con una molestia. I'm, I'm sorry but i need to bother Body. you with something mm -hmm. and he would say my son got arrested last night and dad say well just a second i'll go and mm -hmm. i'll sign for him mm -hmm. or I'll, I'll help you bail him out you know just make sure that he shows up when he's supposed to, and, and he would do that for a lot of people. I think that was kind of a common thing back then, mm -hmm. um, because I think a lot of the men at that time, they grew up with that, where you gave a helping hand to somebody yeah. to help them get out. It's not quite like that anymore, because people don't, they don't honor their word. It's kind of like you say, your grandfather went and he bought all, all these things on credit. But at that, at that time, men were very... Um, adamant about their word was their bond yeah, and that meant everything and, and you paid for the things that you said you, you were going to purchase and that's just not the way that everything now is you have to write it down and it's got to go to an attorney and look how simple things things were, were back, back then. then yeah even back then we used to have a, a like a checkbook on the counter mm -hmm. and people would come in and they would write a check from mm -hmm. state bank mm -hmm. you know and they would just fill in okay my name is uh, kathy lara and this <laughs> is my address and they would give us a check they would sign it, and then we'd take it to the bank and the bank would, would honor stableton it was state bank mm -hmm. and and they would honor it you mm -hmm. know it was an honor system yeah. and, and people knew that you just yeah. don't write a hot check yeah. I mean, you know you have to have the funds in the bank yeah. Yeah. 
But then at that time, too, you know, the bank was still a, you know, a small town bank. Everybody knew everybody. You know, you can go in there. Hammer Smith was in there or, you know, whoever you went to talk to. And so, yeah, this is good. This, you know, we'll hold it or whatever. Yeah. It's just not like that anymore. These banking institutions have just gone to a whole new other level. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, before we close out the show, is there anything else that that you guys want to mention mention about your, your father? And then, and then I have a question for you, Gilbert, before, before, you know, we end the show. Yeah. So how, how do you view your dad now that you're at this age as opposed to how you viewed him when you were much younger? Because I know for myself speaking, your dad's always on you. You got to work, you got to do this. And when you're young and you're growing up, you don't see that because it's always, oh, my dad's a pain or you're mad at your dad. But then when you, you grow you, you, you see this whole other way of logic. So how, how would, how, tell me about that. How do you see yourself as, say, an 18-year-old, 18-year-old Gilbert and the Gilbert that you are now and how you view your dad? It's one of those things that I look back now and it's at, at that time, it was a different time and I just, you don't realize what you had until it's gone. Mm-hmm. And he instilled uh, my work ethic helping people and I just didn't see what I had at the time yeah that's all I can say yeah but you know what but I think for you because I think so many people knew your dad yeah and I think that kind of maybe brings comfort because I think it's like that for a lot of sons with these fathers one thing I, I do try to tell people especially like if let's say your dad is sick okay I would say you know on my way home if I could do it again I would stop and buy him a hamburger and just spend time with him. I know he would have told me, no, I already ate, I'm fine. Mm-hmm. But yet, to spend that time with him. Spend time with your, with your parents. Because that's basically all they want, just yeah. your time. They don't, yeah. they don't want you to bring this fancy stuff no, or no, no. buy they, these they things. No. They just want your time. They just want your time. Yeah. Or just sit there and watch TV with mm-hmm. them, you know. And so capture the stories, yeah. you know, capture the stories from yeah, your parents yeah. and uh, yeah. pass them along and to the next him, generation. And have them tell you, okay, this is how I started. This is how, I, yeah. you know, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't have those, those, those conversations. conversations. Yeah. Now I wish I had, you know, had listened and had the conversations with him. Well, that's why we have these conversations here on KZSM every week uh, yeah. is uh, the past, present, and future, having those conversations here. And uh, uh, I hope we can encourage other families to do as you all have done. I, I applaud you all for going back and doing the research. And uh, thank you for being uh, strong members of our community and the, the local businesses and uh, sharing your stories tonight. Kathy, who do we have next week? What do we? Say? Well, next week we have a, a double show. We have Aaron Pyle, who's going to be here with us from the in Indigenous Institute of Cultures. Right, and that's going to be at six and o'clock that's gonna next be at week. Six we're going to kind of get into our. Uh, uh, we're going to do an hour earlier, and yeah, then and what's our other one? We're going to talk about the Sacred Springs powwow, and he's going to bring his flute, and he's going to play a couple of tunes for us. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And then um, at the 7 o'clock show, we're going to have Gloria Delgadillo. She's going to be here with us, and she's going to talk to us about her grandfather's store um, that was located here, I guess, on San Antonio Street. And his name was Tiburicio Renteria. And she's going to tell us about uh, Mr. Renteria's daughter's business, uh, which was Susie's Beauty Shop, located on Guadalupe Street. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
All right. KCSM.org. Thank you for tuning in, and uh, make sure you tune in again next week at 6 and 7 o'clock. And uh, you all have a wonderful week. Thanks for tuning in.